Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. I love the back end, Seth. Love me some back end. How are you doing today? <laughs> back in the saddle again, Sean. So today, Sean, we have another special guest. Super excited to chat and pick his brain. Um, we met a few months ago and you just ran into him um, in all places in Cape Town, South Africa, which, you know, that's a hard place to get to. So I'm super excited to bring him on today to uh, pick his brain about what's going on out there um, in the Amazon um, e-commerce landscape. Yeah, indeed. So uh, without further ado, let me introduce you to my new friend, Ben Leonard, who happens to be the founder of Ecom Brokers. Ben, say hello. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, uh, thanks, Seth, for having me, and uh, happy to be on the show. Ben, we we love interviewing um, interesting people from around the industry. And before the call, we were chatting about some of your unique uh, kind of insight because you don't come uh, to the conversation like a typical seller, right? You're coming to the conversation with, you know, maybe a, a seller background, but also from a different vantage point. So if you don't mind, just for some context, let's let's paint the picture of who Ben is and, and how did you get to this place where, you know, we're on the podcast talking about, um, you know, building and selling Amazon businesses? Sure. Yeah. Thanks. So I got into e-commerce back in the day, uh, 2016. Um, before that, I was, I'm, so I'm from an oil town, right? Aberdeen, Scotland. It's an oil town. It's like the UK's version of Houston. And I was the token tree hugger in the room, or rather dolphin hugger. I was an ecologist telling the oil guys they couldn't chuck chemicals in the sea. And uh, I, I enjoyed my job, but then something happened. I think this happens to a lot of people who become entrepreneurs. I got sick with a heart problem. I got signed off of work. I had to take a whole bunch of drugs and stop all my fitness hobbies. So I started a fitness brand and originally I was going to sell those products into gyms, but I ended up selling them online, which is a good thing I did because I grew that business and I sold it three and a bit years later to Thrasio, which was the first European deal where an e-commerce business was sold to an aggregator. And that experience made me want to improve on the brokerage experience that I'd had. And so my accountant, Allison and I set up e-com brokers. And meanwhile, I'm still building brands with a view to sell, partly because I love that and, and I, I enjoy doing that. And partly because it means that I still have my feet in the trenches and I can relate to our clients and understand what it's like to still own and operate an e-commerce business, which I think is really important. So now I'm helping people, you know, exit for uh, to achieve their dreams. And I'm, I'm, I'm building my own brands, too. All right. So fair enough. So uh, you and I met briefly, as you said, in, in Cape Town, South Africa, of all places. Yeah. It seems like just yesterday, but actually it was about two weeks ago. So a lot's yeah. happened since then. I apologize. I did not get the opportunity to pick your brain in uh, Cape Town, but uh, maybe we can make up for it here. Uh, sure. ben, our yeah. entire audience is made up of third party Amazon sellers. That's yeah. our people. That's who we talk to. So walk me through, if you would, the current landscape of selling an Amazon business, because a lot has changed since you sold out to Thrasio. It sure has. Uh, in in e-commerce years, they're a bit like dog years, right? So 2019, it was, it was Halloween 2019 when the deal went through, and it was a long time ago. So the landscape right now is, is interesting, right? 
we're in the post-COVID world now. The COVID shopping spree was nuts. And uh, the aggregators, I mean, most of your audience will know who aggregators are, but very quickly, they're uh, private equity-backed organizations who've raised a ton of money, combination of debt and equity, to acquire e-commerce businesses. And basically, the business model is, is cash flow arbitrage. They want to acquire your business for a relatively low multiple, but hopefully a good multiple for you. And then all of these brands that they acquire within their portfolio, they're worth more than the sum of their parts. And they sit in their portfolio at a higher multiple and they can sell the whole thing later or maybe go public. And they want to benefit from economies of scale and actually boost your profit margins as well and grow the business that way and then make a ton of money. During COVID times, the aggregators and the investors backing them banked on this huge shopping spree sticking around even after COVID, but that hasn't happened. Sales have been falling. Costs have been rising because of all the COVID closures of factories across China, Vietnam, India, Pakistan, and the backlog, the manufacturing backlog we've seen. Shipping costs went nuts, although thankfully they're coming down. We're seeing more competition. More entrepreneurs are, are, are coming online onto Amazon, which is great. We love entrepreneurs, but it's harder than ever before. There's more competition. It's harder to rank, get reviews. Amazon's more of a pay-to-play platform than it used to be. And all of this means that the aggregators are struggling a bit because businesses that they bought in 2019, 2020, 2021, when things were a lot easier, are now a lot harder to run because of all of these difficult factors that I've just mentioned. Plus... The macroeconomic environment has changed. They previously, they could get their hands on a ton of money for pretty cheap. So they were buying lots of businesses for really high multiples just to see what would stick. (laughs) Now they're being a lot more careful, which means they're not paying quite as much unless you've got a great brand. So right now it's a buyer's market. It's harder to get a deal over the line. So there's a lot of things that sellers need to think about, which hopefully we can talk about today to give themselves the best possible chance of a great exit. So Ben, let's just jump right into that then. What are the things that sellers should be doing today to prepare? So if I've been growing my business for the last couple of years and I miss that that boom, right, in 2020 where there was all this shopping happening, but then there was all these buyers buying businesses. But, you know, I thought I could hold out a little bit longer, grow my business and maybe get more. But now, you know, it's coming back down to reality and saying, okay, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the the smartest idea, but now um, I still need to salvage this. So what should I do, Ben? What are the things that you're seeing that can help a seller get the most out of their business? Sure. So you want to treat your business like a legit CPG brand, right? Even if you started your business as some sort of a side hustle, Nobody wants to buy a side hustle from you. They want to buy a big boy grown-up business, a business that looks and feels and behaves like a real CPG brand. And you need to ask yourself what the buyers want. They want sustainability, a business that's going to last into the future, that has potential for it to grow more, that has intellectual property behind a strong brand identity, that has repeat customers. And what gives them that is a real brand identity. So not selling random stuff online. Rather, building a a brand that is a group of products that solves a particular group of people. And it's all about asking yourself, if I was to take a step back from my business and look at it and ask myself, honestly, would I buy that? And if the answer isn't immediately yes, then why would anyone else buy your business? So it's setting yourself up 
with plenty of time to spare. It could be six months, could be up to two years. So that when you are ready to sell, the business is exactly as it should be for someone to want to buy it, which means it has a strong brand identity. It's growing. You know, we're talking really good year-on-year growth of, of, of 20, 30% or more. Has good good margin. We're talking SDE margins of at least 20%. Is not in a risky category or taking part in black hat strategies. Is easily transferable. So some you have all your systems and processes and operations manuals in place and your team in place. And somebody can just pick up your business and drop it into their existing setup. And it's really well documented and you've got great record keeping. Those are like the five key things that you want to be thinking about. We, we, we talk about this value pyramid with brand right at the bottom because brand props the whole thing up. And those are the five layers of that pyramid that you want to be uh, focusing on. I love it. Um, before we went uh, live here, Ben, I, I had uh, told you Seth and I have sold numerous businesses and it almost becomes addictive. So when we started our Amazon business way back, uh, we I started in 2013. Seth and I came together in 2014 with the sole purpose, Ben, of leveraging the Amazon platform to grow these amazing brands to a point that we thought was mature enough to sell. You know, some deals are worth a lot more than others. But if you start with the end in mind, and most uh, Amazon sellers do not, they have to go back and clean up their mess from the get-go. Like I told you, we started with the with the end in mind. Our number one priority was to build this business and get it to a point where we can easily transfer that over and sell it out. And truthfully, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of first-time entrepreneurs, are using Amazon to to get their feet wet in the physical products business, and that's fine. But selling the business is the furthest thing from their mind when they first start out. So if you're watching this live stream, feel free. If you leave comments on Facebook or in YouTube, those comments will come on here and we'll we'll ask Ben the question live. But right now, Ben, can you tell me what exactly is it the buyers are looking for when they're looking for e-com business for sale? And how can your company, how can e-com brokers help get that business in shape to where it can sell? Yeah, so... It comes back again to this value pyramid that I've described, right? They're looking for something which is uh, sustainable into the future, right? So your business, you know, you're, you're going to need a good couple of years, really, of trading history, profitability, growth history, you know, proof that this has been growing and will continue to grow into the future with opportunities lined up for a buyer. So I call them growth levers, Right. These are things that a buyer can just come in. If you imagine those old-fashioned levers on uh, on railway tracks that they pull to make the, the trains go down different pa- tracks, right? Imagine it's like that. And you've got one there that's stacked up, ready to go because you're ready to launch on Walmart. One that's stacked up because you're ready to take your business into Europe. One that's stacked up because you've got a whole list as long as your arm of products that the new owners can launch. If you have all these opportunities in there for them and you've protected the business with things like intellectual property, with funnels that are bringing in new customers all the time, and with uh, processes that are nurturing your existing customers and bringing them back, giving them value, and then making them want to buy more from you, with legions of raving fans that are going to want to buy every product that is launched, then we're talking. But if you're selling a mishmash of stuff on Amazon and you're fully reliant on Amazon, then you don't have such an attractive proposition to sell. You might sell it, but not for that much. There's nothing wrong with most of your sales coming through Amazon, 
but it's having diversity of sales channels, diversity of SKUs. You don't want to have all your sales coming through one or two products. You know, be aware of that. And it's it's treating your business like a big boy grown up business. You know, it's not enough to say, well, I've got a trademark and brand registry, so I have a brand. You know, I, I say to people, think of your favorite brands that could be related to your hobby, uh, or it could be related to your profession, or even even the food products in your cupboards, right? And ask yourself, how do these brands look and feel and behave? What assets do they have? What do they do? What is it they do to make me feel something about them? Why do I feel excited when I place an order and I can't wait for the mailman to bring the package? How can you make people feel that way about your brand? Because that's what branding is. Branding is how you make people feel about your business. And when you have legions of of fans who feel loyal to your business, who are willing to um, wait for you to launch your new product rather than buy from your competitors, that's when you have something that somebody is going to say, holy smokes, I'm going to pay a strong multiple for that because I want my paws on that brand. So Ben, I think that um, we had a big advantage when we were building our businesses because we, we started with the end in mind, like we said, but a lot of um, sellers jump in just thinking, I'm going to generate some cash flow. I'm going to see what sells. And then they never really think like, where is this leading? Whereas we viewed it more as like a project. Like we're going to work on this project and build the perfect product for our end buyer. And our end buyer was an actual business buyer. So what we were building was not a product business. We were actually building a business that was the product. And so we said, okay, this is a project for us that might take us three years. And here's the steps that we need to do to make something extremely valuable for someone to come back and buy. Whereas the typical person that we've dealt with jumps into business because they think that they can generate cash flow. And then they get so burned out because it's like a treadmill that they say, oh gosh, I just need to sell this because I'm sick of working on it. So yep. it's not it's not the same as building the project to completion. It is I'm on a treadmill and I have to get off of it. So then they end up sacrificing, right? So um, when you built your business, you sold your business. What mm-hmm. are some of the things that that you realized that you screwed up um, throughout that process, and then you had to go back and fix that. Maybe somebody listening is saying, uh, "Man, I was in the same position that Ben is in. Maybe I should fix this now." W- what did you mess up on, Ben? Oh yeah, absolutely. I made so many mistakes, and the great thing about mistakes is that you can learn from them, right? Um, but if you can avoid them, even better. And if you are going to make them, the earlier that you make them, the the typically the lower the um, the, the damage or the collateral damage. So here's a classic example, actually. Um, I got my intellectual property strategy wrong straight away because I listened to the people in the Facebook groups who told me that I could register my trademark myself and it would save me a ton of money. So I did. And I was incredibly smug when I got my trademark certificate back and I'd spent like 200 bucks on getting this trademark. I thought, there you go. I just saved myself like 800 bucks. A lawyer would have charged me a grand for that. (laughs) But... What I had registered was pretty flimsy and weak. Yes, I registered the name of my brand across a couple of uh, classes, but I hadn't gone deep with a very broad protection of my brand. So somebody could have come in, launched something relatively similar, used my exact brand name, and they would not have been infringing on my trademark. Fortunately, a year later, Um, thanks to some business support from an organization funded by the the Scottish government here, I got a free intellectual property audit and the lawyer flagged up my mistake. And I actually then on the back of that went and spent the money with a lawyer to get my trademarks redone. And actually, if somebody cares to look, they can look up the 
look up my first brand, which was called Beast Gear on the UK Intellectual Property Office. And you'll see the original trademarks I registered in 2016. And then you'll see the same trademarks registered one year later, 2017, but with a much broader sweep of coverage. So that was a huge mistake. Well, it could have been a huge mistake, right? Because then what if somebody had come in and then a potential buyer down the line would have said, well, we don't want to buy this because actually somebody's come in here. Now we're restricted. We can't sell into that. There's confusion. Customers don't know which beast gear we're talking about. And if only I had tied up the intellectual property, it would have been another story. I got out of that one. You know, I had a lucky escape. So that was a big mistake. Okay. Um, you thought you had your big boy pants on filing your own uh, trademark, didn't you? And uh, <laughs> Can you, uh, Ben, without giving a lot of details, obviously brand names and things like that, keep it uh, confidential. But can you talk about loosely uh, about a case study where you helped a client get through uh, across the finish line? Yeah, sure. And although I'm open about my brands, of course, I'd never share clients' brands. Um, sure. Um, so there was this guy, Adam. Um, that's not his real name. Um, he was uh, selling through his own website and on Amazon. Um, and what I was found interesting about him is I, I'm a big fan of people building brands that they're passionate about. He did not quite do that. He built a brand that his grandmother was passionate about. She was really into knitting. So he developed a brand um, of uh, knitting uh, needles and wool and wool storage bags and that kind of thing. And he was ready to sell and he was dithering between selling with us or going with some sort of generic flipping service. And he was convinced that he should flip his business because he saw these businesses everywhere and they promised the world. But we, we told him, look, treat your business with, with respect and take it through a mature M&A process. So we analyzed his business and identified areas that we could squeeze value out of it. And we helped him shape his strategy over quite a few months, actually, to run the business in a way that made it more valuable and attractive to a potential buyer. So we were able to reduce his cogs, uh, make his operations more efficient, um, make his advertising spend more efficient. Um, and then that way, when we marketed the business, the business to the right buyers, it was much more attractive. And in the end, uh, he probably got double what he would have done by doing all that work and taking it through the right process. Um, and uh, we were able to, uh, to help Adam get you know, a life-changing exit, um, which is what it's all about. And now I think he's, he's having a break and he's going to go again. And so many people do, right? They, they get it, like you said, they get addicted to building and then selling. Oh, nice. You know, um, Ben, it's like the old saying, if you wash your car before you try to sell it, you're going to get a lot more money. And that's what you're talking about. <laughs> That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, wash your car, right? And and it's great though because you I, you get to meet so many different people with so many different backgrounds. You know, some people are selling a business that's doing a few hundred grand in profit, and some people are selling a business that's doing several million in profit or more. And um, there's good reasons to sell both, and they everybody's got their own story. The, the the classic one that we see is um you know they say I'm actually I'm waking up in the morning really excited about a new project. And I need the money from the first business to, to go ahead with my new project. And I'm not feeling so excited about my first business anymore. And I would really? say, if, if you're not excited about your first business anymore, that's a good reason to want to sell it. Because if, you're no, if, you don't, if you don't have to get up and go to run it anymore, chances are a plateau or even a decline is coming. So it's time to, to get ready to sell. 
Yeah, that's that's really good advice. You never want to sell when you're at that point. <laughs> I think you should you should plan to know that you're going to be worn out. So yeah, you want to sell when there's still gas in the tank. If you're still on the treadmill trying to hop off at the last minute, you're not going to get nearly as much money. So that's great advice. So Ben, if people are out there thinking, well, you know, I'd like to have a more intimate conversation with Ben to figure out, you know, what should I be doing? Or maybe Ben can help me. Where should uh, listeners go to, to find out more about you and Ecom Brokers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, head over to ecombrokers.co.uk. It's the UK domain, but we're, we're working all over the world. We have a deal director, John, who sits in Chicago. Um, you can email me, ben at ecombrokers.co.uk. And, and I know that some of these topics about selling your business and mergers and acquisitions can be pretty dry and not that exciting. So we made a series of fun videos. So if you go to ecombrokers.co.uk slash movie, Spend five minutes while you're having coffee before you crack on with your next batch of work and watch those videos. Uh, hopefully it'll uh, bring a smile to your face and uh, brighten up your day a bit. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Ben, we're going to move into the uh, what we call the fun segment of the post-purchase podcast. I'm going to cool. leave this up, econbrokers.co.uk slash movie if you want to see uh, some of Ben's work. And then um, for those of you listening, not watching, to reach out to Ben, it's Ben, B-E-N, at econbrokers.co.uk. So Ben, uh, one of the fun questions that we like to ask is, um, and we ask this of everyone. So if you've seen an episode, you know already, what is your all-time favorite business book that you would recommend for our listeners? The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Absolute classic. It didn't uh, take long. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take long. Um, I read it multiple times a year, I think. It's really, really I have good. And, and, and you and being in that business, that one. yeah, that, that changed uh, the way that we prepared our businesses for sale. So I love it. Um, ben, there's in the game of business, the, the, the carrot typically is money. You sold your business, you've made money. Um, what's something that you bought that was a splurge, but you don't regret spending the money on it? Yeah, I'm not a materialistic guy. I still wear all, you know, just jeans and a t-shirt and I don't really buy much, but I did buy myself one thing after I sold my business, which was a Tesla Model S. Nice. Yeah. Cars have made it on the uh the, the show a lot in, in the splurge category. And I think more than 75% of them happen to be Teslas. So you're in good company. Yeah, yeah they're doing well. <laughs> All so, right. Sean. So um Ben, we are uh at the end of our show here. So if there's any uh thing that you want to leave the audience with, one thought or idea before we jump out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, treat your business with self-respect, um, with the respect that it deserves, right? It's not a side hustle. It's not a game just because we do it on our computers. And it's it's so easy for anyone to become an entrepreneur now because it's so many free and cheap tools let us do it. But it's still a big boy grown-up business, right? Treat, treat your business like Pinocchio might, right? Pinocchio said, I want to be a real boy. Your business <laughs> should want to be a real business, right? And so take it through a real process and plan that process with the right experts and we can help you do that and um, even if you don't think you want to sell for a good couple of years have a conversation find out what your business could be worth and figure out how you can reverse engineer your way to get there you know we, we actually mentor people on that that route to an exit if, if that's something they're looking for so um, take the time to get it right because one day uh, when you exit your business you're, you're going to make probably 60% of the money you'll ever make from your business will come the day that you sell it <laughs> Great advice. I love it. So, so Ben, thank you so much for coming on the post purchase podcast. Um, guys, we, uh, will 
every single week we bring you one of the industry experts um, from the Amazon e-commerce landscape. This week we are super honored to have Ben Leonard from Ecom Brokers. Um, ben, thank you so much, and we'll see you guys all very soon. Thanks, Ben. Thanks.